Hey everybody, it's your host Phenom Black Man. I just want to let y'all know before we start this show, our guest tonight is Nikki Lynette. And if you're interested in getting into music or entertainment, or if you just strive to be a young black professional with some sense out here in the world, you might want to pull out a pen and a pad and start jotting down some notes because she came all the way through dropping some gems. So yeah. And if you want more information on her, because I know y'all don't listen when the show ends, y'all be like, next podcast, please. Go ahead and check out NikkiLynette.com. That's N-I-K-K-I-L-Y-N-E-T-T-E. If I say that too fast, rewind it, listen again, jot it down, get it right. Here we go. The Where's My 40 Acres podcast is recorded in front of a ratchet studio audience. Wow. Long no, make some noise for yourself tonight. You know, I'm going to tell you. Like I said, I'm here for you tonight. If you want to keep going, I will keep going tonight. What's up? If you want to keep going, I will keep going tonight. Well, look, it's been love. I love y'all. I go by the name of Drake. Thank you for having me. You are listening to the Where's My 40 Acres podcast, and uh, it's Wednesday night for us. Hopefully, it's Thursday morning for you. It depends on how much energy I have tomorrow morning when I get up and edit this show. So, you're hearing this right now. Good for you. Thank you for joining us. And essentially, we got a guest this week, so that's dope. We haven't had, I don't know if we've had a guest 
like a, a, not a like like Mary is always a guest, but really she family. So she's joining us tonight, but we haven't had like an artist guest in a while. So this would be dope. And an artist that's like got a whole lot going on for what it sounds like just from the intro combo we just had. So let me introduce her. Um, Nikki Lynette, we have interviewed her before. It was a while ago, though. It was like during our A3C days, which was oh a my God. back. I was excited about it. Um, see, the thing with me and my girls, like we perform, like we're professional entertainers, you know, like we've done like larger shows. So when we first went over and we saw that little bitty stage, we were like, eh. and we didn't really, we were like concerned that it wasn't going to be a lot of people. And then we started performing. And people started coming over before you knew it. Those are the most people I've seen over there at that little stage. So I was Damn, stoked. I'm excited. It was fun. I'm going to have to say it was the dancing that brought everybody over because Nigga's been spitting all day. And for some reason, when y'all started dancing, like, motherfuckers just hovered over there. Like, what is that? Is that ass? I think it's shaking. Oh my God. <laughs> but y'all, but it was choreographed ass shaking, so it was okay. That's the beauty of performing with, like, professional dancers. Like, I'm really all about showmanship. And my girls, like, they sing, they dance, they do my background ad-libs. It's part of our show. And, um, you know, my background dancers are not just dancers. They're choreographers. They're people who dance in videos and commercials. Like, they're professionals. And, you know, what the element that they bring to my set. Of course, I could do a show by myself. I could rock a show by myself. But I can kill the show with my girls. So, it's really good to have people like them on my squad. I'm very thankful for them every day. Shout out to Jamila, Jazz, Akili. Love you. You guys rock. Jamila's over there right now looking at me like... Yeah, can we go great. ahead and get the two girls up here to actually yeah. perform with you today? Yeah. Because <laughs> they over there trying to like let us in the picture. Maybe do some choreographed ashes. Choreographed ashes. So... It was a long time ago. A long time ago. What's good, ma'am? How you doing? I'm wonderful, actually. Thank you for having me back. Um, I am busy. I'm in Chicago. It's freezing. I just came from a meeting. I have another couple with some potential investors in the morning. Like, my life right now is chaos, but I am pretty much the happiest I've ever been. Well, we can, we can just end the pod. We can just end the interview now, then. You good? We good? That's great. <laughs> All right, then. I'm trying to share my joy, nigga. That's what's up, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um. Well, thank you, one, for... I think I expressed this in the email, but thank you for sharing that Black Films list because... Like that was that shit was egging me that day. Like everybody mm. was just big up in one black film, and I'm like, nigga, I do this critic shit. I do this regularly, and I've seen a lot of these films that y'all be acting like don't exist out here in the world. So mm. I'm not. I'm, I get kind of hot about that. Like that that shit just irks me. So I was glad you. I saw understand it. that. No, absolutely. I feel like we need to be as a culture. It's time for us to kind of stop bitching about what we don't like and uplifting the stuff that we do like. Otherwise, we're just giving a lot of attention and exposure to the stuff we want to cancel. And we're taking attention away from the stuff that we want people to actually know about. Like if people had exposure to it, they might actually like it. So, yeah, I feel you. That's hella ironic, though, to be giving attention to the shit you want canceled. That's why I, I never understand when people go off like that. Like, bro, just don't talk yeah. about it or just don't watch it. Yeah. It's that easy. Yeah. 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 You'll never see me online bashing something that I don't like unless it's somebody that did something super duper 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 problematic and I have seen the video and formed my own opinion. Like that's the <laughs> only time. You know what I'm saying? But like even like T.I. comments about the hymen, 
I'm not saying much. I I would just rather pay my attention to things that make me happy, like the lady yelling at cat me. That that's <laughs> a, that's a suitable alternative for me. Um. Yeah, we went in on Ti last week. I'm not a Clifford fan. I haven't been a Clifford fan since trap music, probably. Oh no. Yeah. So, anytime I get the opportunity, it's just some people I can't not. I can't not do it with a podcast. I can't not go off. Well, yeah, you had the platform for it, but I bet you ain't on social media all day adding them and oh, talking trash. Man, like, that's not <laughs> that's not the way, people. It's I not got the way. Mortgages and bills <laughs> and a Yorkie and a wife. I don't. I don't have time for that. <laughs> What? Absolutely. Absolutely not. I don't get. I, don't, I really don't get that. I feel like it's harder to follow celebrities across all the social media platforms to keep up with what they're doing. I don't envy like Baller Alert and uh, mm-hmm. what's the one on on Instagram that's huge? A Shade Room. Well, style. Oh, the Shade Room. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I can't keep yeah. up. With, I be like, yo, I don't understand. Y'all get alerts when these niggas speak or something? Because I really don't know how y'all keep up with their lives. I don't understand why people are so interested in what celebrities do or famous people do or athletes or influencers or whatever. Like why, like the extent to which people care. I can understand if you care a little bit, like, oh yeah, what's so-and-so up to? You know, like you care about them as an artist or, or whatever they do for a living. You want to know what they up to and what they're working on. But like, why do you care who they fucking know? Like, why do you care what they ate this morning or you know what I'm saying? Who they like? I like who they date. Why do people get obsessed with celebrity babies? It's I'm not knocking nobody to do it. I'm just saying that I would if I did it, it would be some bullshit. Maybe when you do it, it's cool, but when I do it, it would be mad, lame, corny, and some bullshit. And I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I don't I don't judge people to do it, but I you know I. If it makes you happy, then go for it. Who am I to judge? But it wouldn't make me happy, so I just don't. Nope, makes sense to me. I saw yeah. people tripping out about like uh, women putting the baby on a pedestal because of the way he be treating women and how he go up for brown skin women, and they feel like they just waiting for the other shoe to drop and y'all other, those women who bigging him up to find out that he's trash. And I'm like, I get what y'all are saying, but at the same time, why the fuck you care? I just don't. I don't understand why you care. To wait for the ball, the other shoe to drop on somebody if niggas picking them up right now. Like that happens every day. Yeah, every day y'all find yeah. out niggas like why some wouldn't you just shit. appreciate that he's saying positive things that you like? Like, and why do you have time and emotions to invest? You know what I'm saying? Like that's I don't understand. Lord, don't get me started. I don't want to offend nobody, but I mean, if you was gonna do I it, just am- the place. I ain't telling you to do it because you got a lot of things going on. You got investors and stuff. We don't have all that, so we can do it. <laughs> but, but I don't want to get your money in trouble. You know what I'm saying? I like, I like green, too. I understand it's a lot of people's favorite colors, but hey, you know. Yeah. I just personally think we should put attention toward the things that bring us joy. And if it brings you joy to talk bad about people, then, you know, go for it. You'll have the life experiences that come along with that type of thing bringing you joy. So mm. I wouldn't recommend it. That's but, a word. You know, like it brings, it personally brings me joy to not be invested in too much of what other people are doing. So I just do what works for me. I feel you. Um, I want to riff just all, I mean, we could do this all night. Uh, let me get Twan and Mary involved in this. Mary, what's good, man? 
I'm doing cool, man. This weather change is fucking with me in the Maryland there area. There you go. Otherwise, life's good. DJing's good. Creative stuff's good. 2019's balancing out after three quarters of shenanigans. So, you know. And I'm, you got me up for this show with Nikki Lynette, man. Like, you hit me up about her getting on the show. And I remember, you know, you talk about A3C days. And even <laughs> a little earlier, those type of tunes. It's like, yo, this is what's good. So, I'm in a dope mood, man. Oh, thank you, huh, Nikki. You, I don't know if you know. You know, I still use one of your drops from A three C at the end of our shows regularly. What? Yeah, are you serious? I'm, I'm no, I didn't know. You know what's crazy? <laughs> um, so as you know, uh, I had a mental breakdown in twenty. Like I was, I went through a serious, like really bad depression, and uh made some suicide attempts just from some things that happened in my life and it culminated with my mom dying and uh i got you know i recovered my recovery started pretty much in 2017 so i have huge memory gaps so i didn't even remember that i was one of the first artists especially female artists but one of the first artists in general from chicago to ever do a3c and get paid for it i had completely like forgot about this dope thing until i like saw footage and went back and like looked at like videos and these pictures and I was like, whoa, why was my life so lit? Oh my God. So yeah, when you reached out to me, I was like, hell yeah, I want some of that energy. That's amazing. Yeah, it was, de- it's definitely a drop. It was, it was, it's you and you say the name of your friends. It was you, Jamila, and I can't remember the name of the other woman that was with you. When Please say it's not the one where I said something about <laughs> like loving white boys or some shit. Like, is that the one? <laughs> is yep. that the one? Yup. Why? You want you want to hear it? You want to hear it? Because I play it. I use it like every other yes. week. Okay, hold on. Let me let me pull this up. Because oh, it's definitely in my drops folder. It is what we use when I split the shows up. Wow. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. All right. Well, I hate you now, but go for it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Hold up. Let me get this volume straight. It's going to be mad loud <laughs> if I do it this oh other way. Oh, my God. It's going to be super loud. <laughs> Everybody going to hate me. Yo. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Some stuff, when you get it, it's like, I'm never deleting that. You know that, right? Like, I'm never <laughs> deleting that. We got a lot of drops at A3C. <laughs> I'm, I'm never deleting that one. All right. Thank you. Here we go. My name is Nikki Lynette. I'm here with my girls, Jamila and Jazz. And we just got through rapping to the A3C. You checking in with Where's My 40 Acres? Uh, hide the white boys, because I'm that, that's part of my 40 acres. said it and all of us were in there wilding and I, my first thought was yep she going places because like you yeah. had a balls to say that shit I was like yeah yep. I mean it is what it is I feel like if brothers can talk about their love of snow bunnies then like hey I can have snow buddies right hey, like I'm, who I'm can judge though to be honest to be honest to be honest though like I am uh, as of like I, I, I only date black men right now 
I, I, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> I only date black men. I can't get beyond. I already am living life with mental illness. I can't also navigate the issues that come along with, you know, like having mental illness and having to explain my issues with race that show up for me and misogynoir. Like I, it's too much. So I just stick with the brothers. Um, I know we were talking earlier, you were saying that some people like, or there had been mentioned that like you'd been washed cause you've been gone for a while or you didn't have anything really pumping out. And I, I remember asking myself a few times since the last time we saw you, I would think like, man, what happened to Nikki Lynette? And then I would also think, wait, Nikki was getting like checks in the mail for doing music for like films or shows and stuff. And then she did those commercials. So I was like, she's probably fine on that, on that back end, like not needing to be in the spotlight and still getting checks and stuff and being okay. Because you were one, you were one of the only artists we've ever talked to that had, crazy business acumen and seemed like you really had everything grounded as far as running your brand managing yourself and getting your music done like you were just out here with so many hands and we didn't see that from other artists when we would talk to them they always had somebody else doing that shit for them but when we talked to you you were one of the only ones i remember that was doing it for themselves and seemed to be insanely successful at doing it yourself the whole just indie movement so thank you now I don't, uh, I don't i mean like what if you could i don't need you to go on like any detail you don't want to share and i know you wouldn't but i don't want to mm-hmm. i just want whatever you're comfortable with sharing like what what happened after we talked to a3c and like with your music and stuff in particular well the quick and dirty version is like at the height of my career like i was making more money than i had ever had in my entire life and that was delightful. And so, you know, I got in a relationship. I was, uh, you know, accidentally had a baby on the way with a man that I love very much. And I'm like, well, you know, I got money. I got my, you know, relationships in the industry. I know what I'm doing. I can afford to take a year and have a baby and, you know, have a family. And I just chose wrong. I just chose the wrong person. And, um, you know, ended up losing my child. And, you know, after finding out that he had cheated, I was like six months pregnant. His ex tried to fight me. You know, uh, other chicks were showing up crying and on his social. It was just crazy. It was unlike anything that had ever happened to me. So imagine the first time you ever get cheated on in life is at the height of your career after you're six months from having done anything because you're pregnant. You're like visibly pregnant. You haven't even told the public yet. And then you find out this person is cheating on you and they've moved you to California to live with them in the midst of all this deceit. And you find out that while you're there, my brain just, I lost it. I lost my mind, like lost my child. I went through so much. And, um, you know, the next couple years were just spent with me not being in a good place. I attempted to take my life. I was codependent upon a person who was a narcissist. Like it was not great he had his own issues that you know i couldn't have possibly helped him with and he wasn't open to getting help because you know losing a child wasn't really great for him either and so i kind of lost my my cool for a minute and it was like one of those things where it seemed like everything in my life went wrong like you know first i lose my baby then you know there's nothing popping with my career and then my cats died my apartment flooded i lost all my visual art 
then my mom got sick she died it was like well damn like universe what is you doing you guys you trying to take me out you know what i'm saying i ended up only reason i even put myself in the psychiatric hospital was so that i could get better to take care of my mom while she had cancer and i lived in a hospital with her for a few months while she recovered and uh she passed and that was rough and so i was just content to never do nothing again like i was pretty sure that i was out this bitch and then one day uh like shortly after my mom's funeral i got a call from spike lee and he wanted to use my song my mind ain't right in his netflix show and so i was like mad gas about it like oh my fucking god but i couldn't really like be as excited as i wanted to because like the stuff with my mom was happening and so i told him what happened with my mom and he started being mad supportive and so that was how i developed a relationship with spike lee just knowing him and him supporting my work and you know, he used my song in his series. So that helped me make some money. And just like the recognition from doing that was really good for me. You know, so I started kind of now at this point, I was back licensing music, right? Because I hadn't licensed music in so long at that point. The whole game, it changed. It used to be the artists make direct relationships and music supervisors. Now, there are all of these companies that want to act as go-betweens and intermediaries. I know better. I know that they do that because they have the ability to retitle a song and then take like 50% of the publishing for whatever placement that they get. And I only trust that scenario with certain companies. Like there's this company of fix, like they're super credible. And so I work with them on, on like those types of licenses because like they're, they're credible, but not others. And so I wanted to be in a position to be able to speak with music directors myself. And you have to have some big placements and some stuff going on. If you don't already have like big Spotify and streaming numbers, and so then it was like getting back to a world where now Spotify is the thing and, and Apple Music is the thing and Tidal is the thing. Whereas before I used to drop singles on blogs and get all the big blogs to post my stuff. But it was mad different when I came back. Like blogs don't break songs anymore. You're supposed to have enough groundswell and interest in your music from your social media following or to be able to push it, or you have to have like your stuff playlisted. So there's a whole new level, a new tier of gatekeepers now that was different than it was before. So I had to relearn like everything, but you know, I had that Spike Lee look, I had this Netflix placement and not a lot of people have gotten like big Netflix placements just yet in the indie space. So from there, uh, you know, I had somebody tell me that I should maybe write a play about my experience with depression. And if I did, then maybe he'd be interested in helping me get it picked up. So I, I was supposed to hit written it within like a month. It took me six months to get it finished. And and the concept I had was weird. I didn't know if it would work for theater. So I had got asked to open up for the first uh, Pussy Riot's first US tour, the first three dates. And so at the tour, I workshopped my idea for my play. So that was my show, like that was my performance. It was like a concert mixed with music. And that was my idea for my play. And I showed it to the dude who told me to write a play. He loved it. He instantly wanted to produce the play. He introduced me to two people uh, to potentially get behind it. One of them was a little lukewarm. The other one ended up getting the development of my play funded. And I became the first black female artist to ever have the development of, a, of her musical funded by American Music Theater Project. This is my first play. Never wrote a play before. So that was big. And when I did 
the first workshop presentations of a play. Because like with a play, it's like you first do a workshop, you perform it, and then people can come and see, okay, I fucked with this. And it's like a low version, a low budget version of what the play gonna be. And it went really, 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 really well. And so now that play is about to debut its first real theatrical one as a short run at Steppenwolf Theater. I don't know if you know about Steppenwolf Theater, but it's big. It's a big deal. It's big, 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 big. This is the coolest thing I've ever done in my entire career, hands down. The only, it's, it's like, for up until now, the coolest thing I ever did was being featured in Billboard, because Billboard is like my favorite magazine my whole life. But like, this is, this is up there. You know what I'm saying? Steppenwolf is legit. And, you know, I got, I'm being consulted by like Broadway producers. This is crazy. And so also I'm funding the mental health documentary out of pocket. I've been going around Chicago doing these events called mental health turnups that people are starting to rip off my concept and do, but it's okay. Cause it's helping, you know, spread awareness. But I've built this world around mental wellness that uh, is culturally impactful and relevant to who we are and where we're at right now, specifically speaking to the needs of underrepresented demographics within the mental health conversation. And so that's why I'm, I'm, I'm back because I found the way that I can live my life again without feeling inauthentic. I have post-traumatic stress disorder and an anxiety disorder. And um, I get depressive episodes. I get triggers, all of that shit, but I get sleep disturbances. I'm going through it now, but I am happier than I've ever been because I get to 100% live my truth the way I used to and still have success the way I used to. So, um, I time that, and this is the first time ever, I think on this podcast where we have interviewed a person and they have talked as long as you have or close to (laughs) as long and they have not sounded crazy full of shit <laughs> or just lying <laughs> and i'm like typically for somebody to do a complete backtrack at the way you just did with the fluidity that you just did and being able to comprehend it all the way through like i didn't feel the need to pause you and go hold on hold on wait i have questions about that part like i have questions and we can get into that but for the most part you just did a full recap Like you did a whole Netflix. Do you want to skip the intro intro? And I was like, nah, I actually don't want to skip the intro. I need to refresh because it's a new season of Nikki Lynette. So let me what it was and what it is. I like that. So thank you, because that shows that there are competent artists out here. Oh my god. I'm just keeping it real, man. Like you don't understand oh my god, you don't understand so many times. Some of these folks are are horrid on interviews or just talking period. So I will co-sign Brandon on that for my experience doing these shows too, yo. For real, for real. Uh well thank you. I spend a lot of time in my head. Like, you know what I'm saying? I read a lot. Like I'm one of the people to still read and do a lot of research so I have the ability to communicate a narrative concisely because I read I have the benefit of that I'm a nerd I'm a nerd the proof is 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 in the last six or seven minutes like you carried that shit by yourself it was a tale I was there it was Narnia I saw it I witnessed it it was crazy (laughs) it all works it all works when you tell them the truth (laughs) yeah tell your truth oh thank y'all y'all good for my ego God, it, it was that that was that was a lot 
Like the yeah. I have like my first question for sure is how the fuck do you play catch up with the way licensing music has changed? Like you Ooh. said, because th- that whole send it to two dope boys, send it to Rat Radar. Like Elliot don't even have a site no more. Like where do you send it? And you were just straight up there. So many intermedi- intermediaries and stuff that want to step in. We'll help you get it on Spotify so you can get these spins. But where that money going with them? Where that percent of percent of percent per spin going? That type of shit. And like like all of that is crazy now. And for you to come back into it and have the knowledge that you have about it. Did you like max out your Barnes and Nobles card? How did you learn this shit? I mean, any artist, this is interesting, right? When people come to me and they ask me about the music industry and what they can do. I always pick their brain a little bit first about what their interests are, what they up to in their own life. And then I determine whether or not I actually want to advise them. For most people, I would not advise them getting into the music industry right now. It's not for them. It's a thinking man's game. So you either have to be a thinking man or woman, or you have to be adjacent to one. You have to have one on the team. Because this industry right now is very, people hate the state of the industry right now. I have a love and hate, I have a love and hate relationship with it. On one hand, There is so much noise. There's so many people like there's so many, so few of the of the outlets to get to the larger opportunities. And there are so many gatekeepers. Yet we have the ability to go directly to the people in a way we never had. And so if your ego is in check and you willing, you don't even have to make stuff that is great. You just have to make stuff that people like. And that is something that we never had before. And as somebody who was making music with rock and hip hop fusion before it became a wave, I appreciate now that you don't have to make stuff that other people consider to be great. You just have to make something that people like. When Cardi B first came out, people didn't consider her music to be great, but everybody liked her. And then everybody liked her output. And then she actually dropped something that was pretty great that people really liked a lot. Now, no matter what you feel about Cardi or whether you like her as an artist or her as a person or not, you can't acknowledge the impact of her process. And so I appreciate that. And so what I did was I sat back and I watched and I looked at the people that were having the most success. And I looked at the people that were uh, like the way that they were creating content and the way that they were engaging with their fans online. And I I started thinking about how I could do that myself. And one piece of advice I give anybody that asks me, but it's not just in music, it's in any walk of life. It's how I was able to pivot. Like right now I make music and I license my music and I have music coming out on a couple shows coming up. Um, I'll announce that pretty soon. But I'm also doing a film, a mental health documentary. And I got 740 Project out of LA consulting me on it. 740 Project, they... They are they just signed with with Scooter Braun like they 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 do stuff for all these mainstream major artists. I'm not on those artists level, but I created something that they believe in. So one of the founders has been advising me on my documentary and I was able to do that because I just created this something that people like something that's impactful. I wrote a play and I have investors for it and I have producers on it. I was able to pivot from one platform to another and I started selling my paintings So I'm entering the visual arts space. And the reason I've been able to do that is because all you have to do is A, be authentic about your story and your particular, specific, unique approach to what you're approaching. And you also have to think about where are the voids in the market? What is not being covered? What's not being talked about? 
how is your voice filling the gap for what's missing? And and you can always find one, I promise, no matter who you are. You can always find the thing that makes you unique and how you can fill a gap, how you can fill a void. There's never been a time when I looked for a void and did not find one. And if you can fill that void, then you can figure out how to make money and how to build a buzz. And so that's why I say the game ain't for everybody. It's a thinking man's game. If you want to just like make something that's real popular for right now so that you can open up at local festivals for whatever big name artists come. And then, then within the next couple of years, you better hope you saved up enough money to open up a daycare or a barbershop. Then by all means, do what everybody else is doing. But if you're trying to have a career and you're trying to grow, you're trying to get somewhere and build a legacy, you got to look for the voids and fill them. So um, where can some of our listeners go to take your online courses? Do they have to go to Udemy.com? Like where, where can they go to get this? is a lot. So it's, a, it's heavy. It's heavy knowledge. It's, y'all can take these classes. Where can they sign up at? I don't teach no classes. Like, you <laughs> be talking shit on social media. Where's, like, your, where's your TED Talk? Uh, where's, your, where's your TED oh, Talk man. then? What's going I know, on? Right? My best friend has done two TED Talks. I haven't done one. I'm behind. I'm lagging. You, we need to get that. Mary, you did a TED Talk. Can you can you send her to connect? Oh, wow. What was your TED Talk about? <laughs> um, That hip-hop wasn't dead. I did that in the early 2012 in Orlando. Mm. Yeah, it still gets me um some speaking geeks and stuff, ironically. So, tis all that's so know. dope. You did it before it became, before, like, TEDx kind of took over and everybody, like, that's dope. That's, that's really big. Don't, don't. Don't nah, you should talk about that more. <laughs> That's fucking dope. Don't downplay that. Uh, thank you. I definitely appreciate that. Um my life's been interesting <laughs> on a bunch of these um hip hop ends and whatnot. And um there's something I actually wanted to ask you while you were talking about things earlier and it really had me a train of thought. Um I myself have gone through some similar issues um in my life, more so with depression mm-hmm. on some levels than anything and this past year has been like personally insane for me in regards to certain things happened to family and whatnot mm-hmm. as a fellow um woman creative right how is it for or how has it been i should say for you to deal with confronting when you're going through a situation much less interacting with people while you're going through the scenario mm-hmm. because i think sometimes especially as black women people think that you're supposed to hold it down no matter what the fuck you're going through right Especially if you seem to be a particularly, you know, on the outside strong individual, you're handling your business, things don't seem to be falling apart until mm-hmm. they really, really fall apart. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I think that's going to be a big thing. A lot of folks have to really go ahead and get more into. And I think for some of us of particular generations, we're just kind of finally being able to be like, yes, shit is not always okay. We can make it, but we got to let y'all yeah. know that things aren't always okay. And it's okay for stuff. To not always be okay and at the same time be able to handle our own shit while trying to help out other people. If this makes any sense at all, I hope I am. Mm-hmm. You know, and fun. like part of what part of the reason why what you just said is really profound to me is because you mentioned that now we're just now starting to talk about what it means to not be okay and acknowledging that there are moments when we aren't okay and acknowledging that as black women, we're expected to be strong through those moments. And the thing is, it's like we're starting to have understanding around that as a culture. We're starting to talk about it as a culture. But are people really being as sensitive as we need them to be, though? Like we talk about it, but we talk about it in, oh, man, Kid Cudi went to hospital. Hashtag check on your strong friend. It's OK to not be OK. And now we back to blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? 
it's always like mm-hmm. an aside or like when people talk about mental wellness as like this trendy thing or like and it's not that i have a problem with it being a trend like by all means make your mental wellness be a trend let's get it popping with this mental hygiene fuck you mean i'm all about it but at the same time there's a lot of i don't think that we have neuroscientists and therapists in the position positioned in this conversation the way that they should be like we have like athletes that stand as beacons for what it looks like to be physically fit right but where like the beacons for what mentally fit looks like where like where are these people i'm hoping to one day be one i'm still living with ptsd and it's a it's a trauma disorder like i'm trying to i want to not have it one day and be able to stand up and be like i'm the lebron of mental wellness yeah like i would love to be able to do that but as of right now like i don't even have examples to look at of people who I like that. And so it's like, uh, like right now what I do, I am very intentional and deliberate in my life. I have to be present because if I'm not present, what happens is if I'm not being present and I'm just like letting life happen to me, I can so easily get triggered by something, right? Like I can, I might get triggered by a conversation with a dude who talked to me breezy and then it triggers me into my past relationship. And then, you know, now I'm not in a good place. Or I might see a really cute baby and it triggers me to think about my child that I lost when I was seven months pregnant and it triggers me to be in a bad place. Or I might see somebody and a super cute mom, a picture of them online and it triggers me. These are things that used to happen to me. And so I had to learn to be very intentional and in the moment all the time. I, I had to be a little bit more chill than I used to be. I'm a little bit less rah-rah than I used to be. And I'm a little bit more present because then I can process information and react based on what I know to be right instead of just what the chemicals in my body are telling me are right. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, it's so hard when you're going through it and people are constantly, it's like, I'm going through it. But then also I still had to work and I still had to interact with people. And none of these people, you know, are really going to understand like at a, at a hundred people, maybe only 20% will actually be empathetic and compassionate to you. And it's so much your own responsibility to deal with your trauma and your pain and walk around with it and carry it and process it. The best advice I can give anybody is to always be as present as you can. Remember that only we use less than 10% of the brain, right? We only use 10% of it. Only like the conscious part of our brain only lives in like 10% of the brain. The other over 90% is the subconscious mind, right? When you are intentional, you can react from your creative, from, 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 from your conscious mind. When you are intentional and deliberate, you can just react from your sub, from your conscious mind instead of automatically having these reactions of anger or pain or frustration that your subconscious mind is going to automatically trigger you into before you even have a moment to think about the fact that you're reacting. I know it sounds a little like it sounds hard and it is hard at first until you get used to it. And then you just start having way more control over your emotions and can't nobody fuck with you. Word up. Yeah. Uh, that, you mean it was a, the illest breakdown, Jill. Shout out to your breakdowns. Nah. <laughs> Thank you. I be feeling like I talk so much. <laughs> right, but you be when, saying when shit. You make sense, when you make sense, please talk because as somebody who has interviewed artists throughout the years, there's times you're just there like you're saying a bunch of nonsense. I'm wasting my airspace. Yo, this is not a way to airspace. So, uh, talk away. 
No, I love this. And I love that y'all would even, you know, I don't know if you even understand the significance of platforms like yours has been around for so long that so many people respect. I don't know if you know the significance of you welcoming on somebody like me to talk about mental health issues. This is how we impact culture. This is how we have a paradigm shift by normalizing these conversations and not just having them when we're depressed and when we're sad, but having them when we're able to break them down for real. I think it's important. So I'm definitely very happy that y'all invited me here. Uh, I just, I don't know. I think the air just kind of brought everything together because I had looked you up earlier this year, like much earlier this year, probably around like April or spring, just to kind of see what was going on because I was just curious. And I, I saw some of your videos and I was listening to some of your music and I was like, okay, she's doing like this whole self-love thing. She's been through some shit. That's cra- That's good to see that she kind of cra- She came out on top and she's getting herself better and she's building. She's coming back strong. That's, that's cool. And then cut to a couple weeks ago or two weeks ago and you retweeted that film. And I was like, you know what? Let me reach out and just see if she's interested in talking about, cause I think like your voice would be great for that. And then here we are now listening to you speak. And I'm like, good decision, Brandon. You a smart nigga, my nigga. Like, <laughs> cause you we get people to talk about this. Nigga, my nigga. You get people to talk about this stuff all the time. And it's sometimes it's great. And other times I feel like it's so reckless, but I don't come from a position where I can speak on it. Cause I don't have those experiences. Like Twan can speak on it. Like Mary can speak on it, but I don't have those experiences to really speak on uh, mental illness or depression or PTSD or dealing with suicide or anything like that. So when it comes to that stuff, I'm listening, but also I'm I'm listening for people who have something to say that actually mm. have something to say that this ain't trying to get they 280 characters out, which is what it mm. seems like a whole lot of people be trying to do. So <clears throat> I think it's just good. To have you here talking about it. I know you brought up the kid Cuddy, which was that's that was such a minute ago. Like I that was nowhere near the forefront of my of my lobes. Like you brought it back and that kind of brought me to the question I wanted to ask you. You you don't shy away from the fact that you say you checked yourself into uh, a psychiatric ward or psych ward. Yeah. So what like can you just explain that experience? Is like I feel like the way we try to talk black people into getting therapy, like, yo, go get help. I feel like, can you speak on, yo, go check yourself in to get help. It's okay. Yeah. So, like, I wouldn't recommend people do it the way I did it. I did it while I was actually in the middle of a crisis. And I called, you know, a loved one and told them I'm not all right. And they basically, they were out of town. And they basically told me if I did not check myself in, then they were going to call 911 and have me checked in. And, you know, Black people, the police, like, I'm not trying to... (laughs) have that experience. And I also just didn't want to, I didn't even think I could make it like another day feeling the way that I felt. I felt I I wasn't going to make it. And so, you know, he sent. I didn't want to go in an ambulance. I wasn't comfortable with that. So he sent a cab for me, took, sent me to the hospital and I checked myself in and I, I did it. You know, I had the motivation of needing to get better because my mom was sick. And she needed me to be there for her. So, you know, and when I went in there, and so what's really, really interesting, like we know as people of color and black people, we know, which are not the same thing. So I always say both people of color and black people, because it's two different things. But we know that 
within our culture, depression, mental illness, that stuff is not respected or accepted, right? It's rejected. But what I always thought is that, man, like white people got it so much easier and they get so much understanding. And when they depress, people baby them. And it's not that that's entirely untrue. It's just that for a lot of poorer white people, they still deal with the same stigmas around mental health. Not the same, but, you know, they deal with stigmas around mental health in a similar way that we do. And for a lot of women, they are dealing with stigma around their emotions and, and the validity of their emotions and, and being, being mistreated and harmed emotionally and not knowing that it's abuse. Like it is, it transcends cultures, it transcends races. And a lot of times it even transcends class. And I didn't know that until I got put into a psychiatric ward with a whole bunch of other women from a whole bunch of different age groups and walks of life. And I realized that, you know, the story that we see around mental health is not what's actually happening. It, the, the picture that we have of mental health is not accurate. It can't, it, we look at, like mental health is like a, it's like a stained glass window with all these different pieces that all got their own thing going on. That's kind of what it's like. And so when I was in there, that was when I got on meds and the meds helped me just to be able to cope. And I've never drank or smoked in my entire life. So taking meds for me was really hard and I didn't like it. And I eventually, I've been off my meds now for a year and about a year and a half, almost two years because I'm able to manage it with diet and lifestyle. But you think that if I ever needed the meds again, that I wouldn't take them shits? Shit, I take them. If, if, if it come down between me dying and surviving with meds, I'm choosing my meds. And then I will go through the same process of meds and therapy that I went through before if I want to get back off of them and, and listen to my fucking therapist. Like, I think that what we think about when we think about therapy, we be thinking like, it's going to be somebody like hypnotize us and turn us into like a punk or something or turn us into like a fucking zombie. I don't know. But you got to look at it this way. Who would Michael Jordan have been without his coach? Who would LeBron have been without his coach? Like if who, like a coach is the person that's able to stand on the sidelines from the outside looking in. They see the game from a different vantage point and they help you be your best self. How is that different from a therapist? How? It's the same. They just looking at stuff from the outside, telling you where your strengths are, showing you the areas where you need some improvement, and then you go play the game for yourself. And that's all therapy is, period. And if we can just look at it like that, then people won't be scared to go. I'm just soaking oh, it all speak, in. <laughs> you speak so you speak so much truth. Because <laughs> no, for it's real. Because a lot of people do have that fear of of what it's going to entail. And and I think some people also don't know the power of just being able to talk to somebody else to 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 bounce things off to to gain some clarity and to have somebody there that 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 is like that's empathizing to you. That's not trying to just give you advice. That is trying to listen and and see where you're coming from and and give that back to you. Like it's it can be powerful. It can be just the thing you needed. I mean I. I've had clients who come in and just be like, I, I just needed to talk to somebody. And they feel like they got so many people in their lives that, you know, that they can't reach out to for certain reasons or, or feeling like, 
or just feel like they're going to be judged and just it's just a, so much stuff mm-hmm. that, that goes with it and usually like when you when i first see you i'm i'm like thank you and they're like what like, i'm like thank you for coming out because that's you took the biggest step just to come in and you know and and they're just like what do you mean i'm like yeah i mean you just came in that's a good step that's showing that you 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 want to do something so let's figure out what it is and we just go from there and it's a supportive thing i'm not telling you what to do i'm just being a guide to help you mm. to find the stuff that you that you need because i can't walk the path for you i can't make it i mean hey it's gonna make you dependent <laughs> and i'm not about to do that <laughs> but like we can't walk the path for anybody but like figuring out that you can tap into like your own strength that you that you've had and 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 you can look at these things and be like okay there is something i can do i'm not crazy this is not coming out of nowhere i i have a better understanding of me and how i see the world and now cuz i have that better understanding i can go out there and i can i can attack it now i can i can look at something and being like this is not something that could defeat me i can look at it and say yeah, it's daunting, but there's a path here. There's a way I can get around this. There's a way I can get through this. Like, it works. Like, therapy is wonderful. Like, I've been on both sides of the couch. <laughs> therapy is mm. wonderful. It can be so helpful, and people be so scared. And you don't have to be scared. And I... I I wonder where these ideas come from. Who told you that the thing that's going to save you is going to hurt? And it's like, what happens is that people really genuinely do want to have serious conversations about these subjects. But what happens is they'll go to their friend and they'll be like, yeah, girl, these niggas ain't shit. Here go another one who did the exact same thing the last four did. And then they friend would be like, and fuck these niggas. And that's why you got to do this. And your friend is really just trying to have your back sit. Like your friend is really just speaking from trying to be there for you. But in reality, you might need to hear, well, let's unpack why you are attracting the same types of situations. What is it about you that maybe you might need to like look at that has you be in this position more than once? You don't deserve to be in that position. So let's figure this out. Or it might be a dude... This like, you know, let me tell you a real ass story. I'm going to tell you, like, I'm a real nigga. Like, I met this dude. He chased me down, chased me down. He wanted to date me. And he's like, I didn't want to date him because he was real, real fine. So I saw him that nigga was a hoe. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, you know, but after a while, like, I finally let him take me out. And then we started, like, talking and I started getting to know him. And I realized, like, he had an inability to, even though he really liked me, even though he chased me down, he had an inability to connect deeply. And so me being in therapy, reading books all the time, I recognize this. And I'm like, this dude is having limitations around attachment. And so I started asking him questions about it, like about things about his childhood. Sure enough, he opened up to me. Sure enough, he tells me he started experiencing depression and that he thought that maybe he could never get better. And it's impacted his ability to be in relationships. And he hadn't been in a real relationship in most of his adult life. And I got that brother to get in therapy because you can't be damaged and date me. But more importantly, <laughs> like it's, it's for you. You know what I'm saying? Like you need to do it for you. Don't do it for me. Like do it for yourself. And he did. He was in therapy for like eight months. And, and now his mental wellness is actually 
really important to him. And he does stuff on his own for himself that's, you know, around his wellness. I'm not dating him. He's not my man. He needs to, you know, be with himself and heal. And I don't personally want to be impacted by, you know, by his need to be into himself right now, because whether he resists it or not, at some point it's going to show up. He's going to realize that he needs his attention more than he needs to be giving it to someone else or receiving it from someone else. He needs to give it to himself. And so that happens with a lot of brothers. Like they'll be thinking that they want love from other people. They be thinking they want a lot of pussy. They think they want these things. But what you're really doing is trying to fill a void around self-love that you have within yourself. And until you unpack that, you're just going to keep running through a bunch of women and messing up relationships with a bunch of women and, and leaving a lot of women feeling broken and damaged because you're causing harm because you're in pain. And this is happening throughout our community. It's happening every day. And we don't acknowledge it for what it is. We got terms like niggas ain't shit. Or like these bitches only like niggas that treat them like shit. Like we got these beliefs when really if we unpack what it is, we'll be in a position to have a lot more empathy and compassion around it. Because this is some real shit that's happening. Like it's very serious. So I'm an advocate for everybody going to therapy. It's important. I I see what you describe between the homegirls and stuff. I see that on like Facebook all the fucking time. And that's just why I don't involve myself in a lot of conversations where people are just going off about mm. whatever is bothering them or seeing a particular situation and running with the, I definitely will drop like men are trash on here, especially when I'm talking about people like Clifford and checking highlights <laughs> and shit. But at the same time, I also understand where dudes who fight that are coming from where they're just kind of like, yo, sometimes I feel like y'all just dropping that shit to drop it. And we haven't really, like you've been saying, unpacked anything. It's just the first thing you drop to make it so that niggas can't combat anything that you're saying. I understand what they're saying. I also understand that men in general have to come from a place where we sit back and we listen first before we decide to speak up first. Right. Kind of see where people are coming from, see where they're building to and see if we can get a bridge to connect those thoughts, right? And see if we can connect on those emotions. Okay, I see where you're coming from. I didn't hurt you, but somebody hurt you. Yada, yada, yada. Let's start the conversation there. But I feel like a lot of the time, too, on Facebook, people just wallow in each other's miseries. And they they mm. feed off of that energy from each other. And that's when I'm like, yo, I can't be in this thread. Or I got to mute you for like 30 days, bro. Like, I can't deal with y'all not actually having genuine conversations with each other just either wanting to be right drawing lines in the sand and daring each other to cross them because y'all trigger happy and ready to clap back so fast because it's a social media forum right you don't don't, Mm -hmm. you know it's the the anonymity even though you niggas act like y'all friends and y'all know each other doesn't keep y'all from going at each other constantly and then running from one group to another group to another group to express these until you find a group that connects with what you was expressing so you feel at home and comfortable to keep going like that to keep popping off no man like it, it i don't understand how people don't get drained like that and i don't understand like as, as far as the advocating people just going to get therapy like i'm all i'm at this point i'm all for it because i feel like way too many people are using groups and friends as therapy right you, you say know, I, I, no like, i usually like even spread that to like families mm-hmm you know how I many like conversations that people have or stuff or times that family members are are sick, right? And the family knows about it. You know what I mean? Like, the family is aware. 
you know, or you know, you get hit with the quintessential black thing, which is like, you know, just you just gotta prey on it. Mm. You know, and 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 I you know, I I try to tell people like to me, mental mental health is is physical health. Like you you wouldn't sit there and if you have anything wrong with any other part of your body, you're gonna go to the doctor, you're gonna go figure this out. I said you're not gonna walk around with a broke leg and nothing like that. But we'll sit here and take stuff that's mental and, and be like, some of this stuff is literally brains aren't working the way they're supposed to. But we have this thing like you need to, like you just need to will your way through it or prayer will happen. Like, no, go see somebody. Like you said, go go get some medication. If it's between medication and you want to kill yourself, medication ain't that bad. Like there are yeah. things you can do and go get help. Like I it's it's so weird that I think more black people need to talk and and not even like like get, being national with it and being and being open with it and being on social media with it, like all that stuff is great. But like we need to go back and have these talks with our family members. We need to go back yeah. and talk to to our 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 parents, our our sisters, our brothers, you know those things that when you 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 see, you know the way auntie is, and you'd be like, no, nah, that's anxiety. <laughs> like, no, nah, uncle depressed. You know, wow. I mean? that, 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 oh, you know, you you know how your uncle is. Like, no, nah, no, nah, he depressed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's this is this is this is something. <laughs> this isn't just how they are. And how they supposed to be, yeah. yeah. No doubt. And I think one thing too, and I was just like piggyback on what Twan was saying. I think people look at, especially within the black community, on a lot of levels, that you had to be involved in therapy or some type of religion or theology, or both. You know, I, nobody talks about both. You know what I mean? Like it seems like it had to be pray it away or just go to therapy, and if you have to do meds or so forth, it's like you can do multiple things to help yourself. And, you know, get to being a more mentally healthy person. Being strong also is a part, you know, part of being strong is I mean that you can be weak sometimes too. And I think in a weird way, there's like a weird non-embrace of our humanity in terms of things with some folks in regards to being like, yo, sometimes we might be repeating patterns from the past or just dealing with things that we're encountering in the present, not in the world's best way. And it feels kind of weird now to be at our adult age range and finally be able to actually just barely touch the surface of talking about these things. Like I didn't really even think about anything really related to therapy until I was in my early twenties, post-college or hmm. whatever. And um, I had, you know, went through some family stuff and I was um, taking some post-grad courses and they were just there like, Hey, you know, the school does offer therapy and counseling and stuff and it's free and I was like what the fuck I was never had family members even talk about it but now later in life I've heard my relatives who were in the military back in the day they went to therapy and other types of stuff but I would have never known about that as a kid maybe if it was more normalized stuff might have been a bit better you know what I mean so mm. we're like um we're at a really interesting stage in all of this type of stuff and things in the regard right now so being able to even have this show and have everybody freely talking about this is just like a really awesome development to me, which I hope um, not just helps out, you know, our contemporaries, but you know, those younger and hell, maybe even some of those older who run into this, you know yeah, what man. I mean? Where it's like all of this shit is perfectly okay. It's cool to want to be able to know what the hell you're dealing with. So your day to day is a little easier to deal with. 
you know, yeah. and to go forth from there. It's the second time you said something that had me like, yes, because like what, like for me, when when I grew up with, um, you know, part of my childhood, I lived in a battered women's shelter with my mom. Like my dad was a substance abuser, and I always thought my entire childhood that he was just an alcoholic because my mom hid the fact that he was on drugs because she didn't want me to know that my daddy was a drug addict. And so, you know, he I went from him like being a firefighter and making a lot of money and us having a great home and me having my own room with a swing set in the backyard to living, you know, sharing a room and sleeping on bunk beds with other families because my mom had to hide from my dad in another city because he was abusive. And I didn't realize that growing up, I saw so I witnessed both of my parents in my childhood attempt suicide and did not realize like I can still to this day remember the smell of blood so clearly from my childhood. It's one of the most you I can smell it anywhere. And it's like. I didn't know that it was mental health issues, and I'm sure that. They might not have known, but my father ended up recovering completely, turned his whole life around and was clean and sober for 15 years before he died. But I didn't realize until I had already had my mental health struggles that it's possible that I might have either had been genetically predisposed to depression or experienced enough trauma from seeing what my parents went through to be in a position where I could be impacted mentally. And a couple of things happened in my childhood that I probably needed therapy for, but we don't have those conversations and it's not normalized and it's not accepted. So I didn't get the therapy that I needed. Now, personally, I don't fault my parents for their lack of information, their lack of knowledge. But I could tell you that when I first started doing my videos for Afropunk about mental wellness, my mom was concerned. She didn't like it. She didn't think that I should be talking about my mental breakdown publicly. She thought it would negatively impact my career. She thought people would look at me different, all of that. And then that series of videos took off. That's why I ended up making my mental health documentary because I realized people want this content. And when my mom saw people reacting to the content the way that she, they, it did, not only did it change her perspective around me talking about it publicly, it also changed her willingness to talk about her own experiences. And so that's why it's important that we continue to have these conversations and we continue to push forward and we continue to be vocal about it because sometimes people just need to see somebody else doing it to give them permission to unpack what they, you know, what, where they're at and unpack that conversation for themselves and be able to have it with others in a meaningful way. Hmm. Um, hmm, question. Uh, and this is for, I guess everybody on here. Y'all can answer however you feel if you like given the conversation that we're having right now and i know we're doing this on a podcast so our listeners will hear it our demographic is some like 18 to 50 uh black college whatever or not you know but if you could get if you could have like a speak and get a group in a room to talk to the way we're talking now like who who would you pick like what group or what subset group would you pick specifically? Funny you should ask because that's what I'm doing in my mental health documentary. That's what I did. I shot it already. <laughs> okay, so who? What was your group? What was your your subset of the set? Majority people of color. If there were any white people, they were not like I had 
like majority people of color, one white person, one white privileged male who's like a white male of privilege who comes from a privileged background that has money, uh, a couple Ashkenazi Jews, some Asians, uh, some Hispanic people, all pretty much millennials, maybe only a couple people who are older, because this is like when I'm talking about mental health conversation and underrepresented demographics, I'm speaking in terms of the social context of the ongoing conversation. And when we're talking about who is heavily participating in, in the creation of culture right now, especially like within my reach, like it's people who are millennials and Gen X or Gen Z, Gen Z. So like everybody, you know, like it was age group from maybe 1920 to I think like the oldest person was maybe 38. And then there's like, and then like I let my sister, my sister participated too. And she's older. She's in her forties, but it was like the most diverse group. And I, I had ever assembled into a room intentionally. And it was over, it was about 30 people. And we had, a candid conversation about mental health and it was only supposed to last a few hours and it ended up going for like six hours and everybody felt really amazing afterward to understand the con oh and I'm, I'm sorry there were also um i want to say maybe a third of the people were gay and one was trans one that i know of was trans and so it was it was a lot of people found healing around the fact that so many of the disparities and so much of the pain and so much of the disrespect is shared across cultures because you don't don't nobody want to feel crazy like don't nobody want to feel like they are the one unique person with these particular fucked up issues like one of my one of my issues was like when i had anxiety real bad i would chew my lip i still do it from sometimes and then i looked it up like why do i chew my lip and then i realized that Chewing your lip or or like like mouth chewing is actually something that people do across the board. It has a similar way that people that people process it and and do it, and it's so completely actually very common. And me knowing that it was common is part of what helped me be able to stop. Cause I'm like, oh, I'm not crazy, and this isn't weird. I'm just you know, it's my anxiety again. I just need to tune into healing my anxiety, and so that's why I say when you have these conversations, like. Like we can definitely have a conversation where it's like all black women talking about black women's mental health issues. And that is valid and real. And then one with all black men talking about the issues that they have valid and real. Then one with all black people, like all black adults, very valid. Then black adults and children, very valid. And then people of different nationalities who are all people of color and then include some white people who might be from the same socioeconomic demographic and then have the conversation with people that are college educated. What I'm saying is as you change the demographic of the people, the, the ways in which their mental health gets challenged changes as well. And, and, and the things that they tend to face tend to be common. Like we're facing common issues within I don't know how to I'm, I don't have the language to explain it because I'm not a therapist so please excuse me if I'm, I'm failing to articulate what I'm trying to say properly but what I'm saying is we wouldn't just need to have one conversation with one group of people it would need to be a bunch with a bunch of people and that's what my mental health documentary is okay 
She got discreet <laughs> as fuck. Um, Am I right? You can ask the therapist, brother. No, I'm sorry. I, I, no, I, I get what you're saying because you're saying if you if you can, we can put a bunch of people in a room, right? You, especially when people are struggling with stuff, like one of the things, and like in group therapy, like works with this a lot, is you start to you you tend to have the tendency to feel like you're the only person that's going yeah. through this. So when you see other people who exhibit the same things. You see somebody who doesn't look like you and and has lived a life totally different from you, but y'all both have the same nervous tick, <laughs> or you yeah. know what I mean, or or you, you share the same de- de- depressive symptom. Is it it kind of it makes you feel like this is more universal. This yeah. is not is not just me. Now we might have our own little intricacies that 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 play into it you know what i mean like like every everybody has their own flair with it but like you know you're like okay depression looks like this here depression looks like this here and then also by having multiple people in the room you get to see in in new ways that depression creeps up so like i I could go for instance i used to work with a lot of teenagers and and you know when you're working in teenagers you're working with school especially with like uh like um young like young boys of color and stuff like that you get a lot of people who are just like they're angry they're acting out and all like stuff and i'm like a lot of this is depression mm. a lot of this is a lot of stuff they're act they're seeing so much stuff and they're acting out and anger is the only sociable socially acceptable way for them to put it out it's the only way mm. for them to get something so let's see what's under that anger you know, let's see what's there because like and having another person who can say, Yeah, this is what it looked like with, with me, you can help somebody else learn. And then you can help you. And once you learn that, you start looking at everybody in different ways. You start looking at people that you just wrote off in a certain way and be like, Is there something else under that? You know, so like having a bunch of people and, and having those different viewpoints and different experiences. You you get to see the commonality that 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 is with all this stuff, and you can connect with people in ways that, like you said, it's still important to have, you know, those little subsets and stuff like that. But you don't want to be so separate that be like, because depression only looks like this for black people. Like, no, it's, it looks like a lot. You know, depression in the black person, depression in the white person, they, it, it's similar stuff. And it's okay. We can connect off of that, and we can be like, we're human. And we struggle, you know. Maybe we can start seeing each other in a in a different light. Yeah, and it's important too. I think it is because there's already so much that divides us and keeps us separate. And I'm like, I believe I'm one of the people that believe that Black people deserve our safe spaces. Like, we our issues are unique, and they need to be discussed, and they deserve to be addressed, and we can address them on our own by ourselves but when it start when we start talking about mental health there are a lot of class issues that show up because lack of access to care oh baby they shut down so many mental health facilities that were free and or, or low income like oriented in chicago and i hear this happening around the country and you wonder why we see an increase of crime in areas where the mental health care is so sparse you wonder why so many people who are in jail right now actually are have diagnosable mental health issues 
That's that's work that NAMI is doing right now. I recently became an ambassador for the National Association of Mental Illness. And they just recently sent out something about how so many people who get like a call, a 911 call for having mental health issues end up in jail or people who are in jail right now have issues that could be treated and behaviors that could be corrected through proper mental health care. And so the issue is so much bigger than we even realize. I mean, this could help the prison, the school to prison pipeline if we could just intercede with some proper therapy for the people that need it the most. And so I say that because like so many people, these we under we don't really estimate the significance of these conversations until it's too late. And so part of the reason why I am how I am, like I'm a happy chick out here. I'm cute. I'm doing shit. I recently just sold out my first showcase at the House of Blues is going to be next week on Thursday. Like I'm doing shit with my life and I'm happy and I'm progressive and I got a mental illness. So if I could talk about this publicly around all these people I don't know, then you can talk about it privately with the people that you do know, right? And maybe you can go get help, right? Because if I can talk about it, then maybe it's not so bad. And maybe you could do it too. It's awesome. Man, we got people. It, you know how nice it would be to just people be like, you know, man, what you do today? Went to my therapist. Dog, went to hey. my therapist too. It should be a really easy thing to say to people. It should be. Got a hey, chicken sandwich, you, went to see my therapist. It's a good day, nigga. It's a good day. Yeah, you like you would <laughs> you would think, man, like, but I you know how many clients of mine who are like surprised when I tell them like I've been in therapy? And they're like, You? I'm like, Yeah, man, I'm a person. Like <laughs> <laughs> shit gets hard sometimes, man. Like Hey, what's happening, man? It's your boy Big Creek Third Core representing, you know I'm rocking with where's my forty acres.